For for those of you who don't know what northeastern Pennsylvania looks like, you, I, I promise you, you are more likely to see a tractor on a high eighty one than a Lamborghini. I promise. You're listening to JRP Daily, where each day host Justin Phillips will bring you a new topic surrounding entrepreneurship, marketing, and business. You'll also get exclusive interviews from our guests who have all found a way to turn doing what they love into their career. Stay tuned for all of that and more on JRP Daily. We are doing this. Gerard, start us out. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Sunday Fun Day special on JRP Daily. I am not JRP. Uh, That is... (laughs) I am the co-host, Gerard Mirabelli. You mean that is? He Pretty is. sure it's he is. All right, guys. So today, I... He is. Today, uh, I have a couple topics in mind. I just didn't tell Gerard about them because I just want to ask him questions and see if we can oh, get it man. rolling that way. But um, Because be neither of us do our research. But for once, we might actually talk about something. You might have to learn how to cover up these awkward little, like, burps that I'm having because... I'm stupid and drinking soda. No, I do the things that no, I do. I, I've definitely thought about stuff like it's that like, before. It's like either if my hands are occupied or I'm just feeling too lazy. I just sit there like clap, clap, Yeah. Clap. <laughs> or you know me. I'll swap around like the first letters of words all the time. <laughs> you will. I feel like I do that a lot too, but maybe not as much. Yeah. Well, no, actually, I, I do that a lot. Our friend group in general does it a lot. Yeah. We all kind of like took it from each other. Yeah, I think we did. So... There's a couple of things I want to talk about. I, mean, I, I kind of want to get into it by asking you if anything exciting has happened lately, but I know that the answer is no. And, um, but things, exciting things have been happening. We just don't pay as much attention to them as we should. And I want to talk about some more exciting things that have happened on this podcast recently that I don't know what kind of depth you know what has happened on here. So but I, I, probably, wanna, I, I probably don't. Okay. I, I want to try to do it this way. We're going to try to structure it this way. Think of what you do know about what's been going on with JRP Daily recently, because very vaguely, and then ask me things, and then I'll answer the more, I'll, I'll fill in the gaps. I'll get you the more specific details. And this also gives us the opportunity to like put little YouTube cards around the screen where it'll be like, hey, click to check out this interview and stuff like that. So oh, okay. that's part of the reason I want to do it. But go ahead and ask me something. Well, the, the biggest difference that I know of <laughs> lately, obviously that's very clear to me, is uh you had on your very special uh guest, uh Mr. Sure Mr. Andy Frisella from Absolutely the MFCEO project. That was really awesome. That was yeah. a big change. And I want to um, talk about that for days. Yeah. Okay. And, and you and you said he you you talked to him about where he started with his yeah. his business and his podcast, right? Yeah, and that was obviously a part of it. Yeah, what was the other question? You asked him a couple of questions, of course. I asked him, all right, I started out by asking him uh, what, I didn't ask him what he thought about a college degree and like the college yeah, degree yeah, yeah. De- debate, whether it was uh, like totally necessary, totally unnecessary. I, 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 I wanted to get the answer to that question from a much better, first of all, person, you know, someone that. Yeah. Someone who has experience hiring yeah. people. Yeah, the, the person that owns two companies worth probably about at least five hundred million dollars combined. Now, how many? That much? Do you know? Would you know roughly how many people he has at both those companies? Roughly, or like, could you give like a ballpark estimate? I don't really think I even okay. could, especially at first form. I don't know much. I don't know that much yeah, about if, his if companies. You don't know the internal structure. That's totally yeah. fine. I was just yeah. curious. Yeah, I know what I'm just saying is it, I, I know more about him than I do about his actual companies. And yeah, well, that, that goes with, that goes with a lot of, I, I kept, I kept trying to pull that specific question out of him too. And it never really got where I wanted it to, but obviously a lot of great information came out of him in the process. But anyway, what I was saying about the college degree was I asked him, I asked him what he does in his company first form in the hiring process. So that way he could tell me embedded in that what role the college degree played in the hiring process for him because I didn't want, well, first of all, I didn't really want it to be, well, it depends on what you want to do because 
that's too obvious and that's what yeah. everybody says yeah. to keep and, themselves safe. And then the conversation kind of yeah, just goes, goes a little dead. Then you got to um, reinvigorate it a little bit. Well, yeah. So I, and, yeah. yeah. So I asked him, I said at first form and supplement superstores, but like first form is the, the main company now. I said, what do you look at during the hiring process in terms of well-roundedness, in terms of character, in terms of qualifications, in terms of, you know, all this stuff. And the short answer as to what he gave me, if you want to know the full answer, go watch the episode. We'll put a card around the screen here somewhere so you can do that. The short answer of what he said was that, first of all, at his company, he said a college degree is completely irrelevant and he, he doesn't look at it at all. And because a lot of a lot of the debate now is like, oh, well, companies still care if you went to school. They don't care as much about where or they don't care as much about what your major was. And he came out and he told me for his company that's doing beyond well, uh, it's totally irrelevant. Doesn't look at it whatsoever. Another thing about his hiring process, and this is very common now, but his hiring process, he said he hires on character. He teaches skills. So he designs his questions, like his interview questions. They're designed to pull a person's character and personality out of them instead of asking them, you know, what are your skills? What school did you go to? Your past experience, that kind of thing. But kind of more, I'm guessing, along the lines of... Are you a jerk or not? Yeah, basically, you know, and like, what would you do in this situation? And kind of in a more indirect way asking them what their values are yeah having showing you have the right values you have the right uh common sense approach to tasks you are given right yeah it might not even be common sense approach but it might just be a a big big part of andy or 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 is he is he looking for an answer that shows that you have creative ideas when it comes to handling problems or situations? Probably not necessarily. The biggest thing from what I know from him, just from his podcast, not even from the interview we did, is that first of all, he is all about finding solutions to problems, like 150%. Yeah. Uh, So there were probably, there's probably got to be a question in his interview somewhere, I'd imagine, that is like, this customer was dissatisfied because this, this, and this happened. So what should we do about it? And the answer to him would be like, solve the problem. If that costs the company money, who cares? If that costs you money, who cares? If that, if it's bad for the company and good for the customer, that's the answer because good for the customer is good for the company anyway. So, um, and I've got that engraved in my brain too, from his, from his podcast, really great example. Actually, the other day I thought of was I, I have a huge pet peeve now when companies do not look to solve problems, any company, any problem, because yeah. it's so much more worth it in business to keep your customer happy, to keep them coming back in the door and that kind of thing. If yeah, that it, makes sense. Because otherwise, otherwise the, the cycle between right. money, service, money, service, like money from the customer, service to the customer, that cycle is, you know, it's, it's broken. It's not as strong. Yeah. And because even if it's got to, you know, if you're going to be short a couple bucks at the end of today, because somebody, like the, the example I was thinking of is that I went to Burger King on Saturday, Sunday, some one of the weekend days, I went to Burger King and the guy in front of me got like the wrong burger or like whatever happened, he got rung up the wrong way. So they gave him the food that was on his receipt, not not knowing that the cashier rung it up wrong. And he brought it to the attention of the manager and the manager just kept showing him the receipt said like, well, we gave you what you paid for. So, and I was like, that is not the right way to handle this situation. What McDonald's does is they they give you the food you want. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, and it's not it's not it's not really company to company to company in a fast food case like this. It's usually like a specific location. Like I know usually companies are very good at it. I should throw that out there. This isn't a very common problem I see. I mean, I work at Walmart. Yeah. They're very good about it. I, Anytime no. I've had a problem with fast food, they usually just give you what you want. I remember yeah. one time. Now, see, the only re- the only reason I said that real quick, the only reason I said that is because I go to McDonald's way more often than I go yeah. to Burger King. I haven't yeah. been to Burger King in a very long time. Yeah, in a lot of places. I believe just... that most Burger Kings do that because yeah. it's not the Burger King, it's the person. Yeah. And 
every person's a toss-up. Yeah, <laughs> that is very true. So that was the thing. That just kind of started grinding my gears a little bit. And yeah, going off of what you said once, I mean, I do remember this one time, like back quite a while ago, uh, me and my parents went to a Burger King and we got we got two of those like Reese's peanut butter pies or two of those pies that they sell there. Yeah. We we got it to go. We took it home and we opened up the bag. They forgot to put the pies in. We saw they were on a receipt. So my parents called them and told them about it. And they said, you know, they because like they felt bad because not only did they forget our stuff, but we we're already home. We'd have you to are, yeah, you were already it. there. But they said if you come back and get them, we'll give you like five of these pies. You ordered two and you know, for the drive back, things like that. And that was a much better way to handle it. Yeah, so, absolutely. You know, things like that happen. And of course, like I said, I've been, I've had a lot of screw ups with fast food restaurants before. Usually they just, they just fix it. Like last week I went to a McDonald's in my hometown. We got, we, they just forgot like a filet of fish sandwich or something. Um, I went back in, I said, Hey, you forgot this. They just put it in a bag and gave it to me. Like, Oh yeah. Whoops. Here you go. So like, you know, you, First of all, I think people's skepticism about that is that people are just going to come in and rip you off. Like someone's just going to come through the door and say that you forgot to give them something. You're just going to give it to them. Really? People aren't that bad. First of all, it's only the people we see on the news that are that bad. Yeah. Which is like a fraction of a fraction of 1% of people. Yeah. Right. And the other thing is just that what's that costing the company? <laughs> like probably... Maybe if you wanted to pull a, put a dollar amount out, like 50 cents at the end of the day. So it's better to do that because if it is someone that you forgot to put their food in the bag and you throw them through a world of chaos in order for them to get their sandwich that you forgot to throw in there, yeah, they're not going to come back. Yeah, and, th- and, that's, and that's multiple instances, multiple potential future instances where they will give you more money, more of yeah. their business. Yeah. And you're right. If you if you mess it up once, then yeah, that's another all thing. All that goes out the window. That's another thing I see uh, coming up with Andy Frisella's company. Let me give you a little background because people might watch this and not know. Andy Frisella owns two companies. They're both supplement companies. They both sell vitamins, supplements, that kind of thing. And in his company, First Form, I know for sure, probably in supplement superstores too, but in First Form for sure. He does a 110% money back guarantee. So if you buy supplements, you know, you buy a bottle. He's he's a premium price brand too. So these are like expensive ass supplements because they really are the best ones out there. Yeah. And he has guys that will- He makes makes sure that that's the case. So that they're the best ones out there in terms of formula and all that kind of thing. But either way, in his company, he- he, Implemented a hundred ten percent money back guarantee. Literally I've never meaning heard of that before. That's very well. Interesting. That's impressive. part of what makes you, you know, <laughs> one of the top entrepreneurs in the country. But meaning, if you buy a bottle of supplements, just to make the math easy, let's say the supplements cost a hundred dollars, and you're not satisfied with the results you get for them with them, it's no questions asked. Refund plus ten percent. So you'd pay a hundred bucks for a bottle of supplements. You'd call him up, say, hey, I don't like what these did for you. He'd send you $110 back so you can make money out of it because- That's insane. That, wow. goes, that goes to show that he's very confident that his product is going to do well for people, Yeah. Uh, first of all. And, you know, if- And that, and that he they, trusts the customer. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, and you know, it's about the customer too. It's like, if we're not doing our job, we will pay you yeah. <laughs> for wasting your time. So it's a very- it's a very cool system and places need to do more of that. So that's that. So what were we, what were we like initially talking about there with Andy? We were initially talking about uh, Burger King and McDonald's and things like that. Right. What were we talking about before that even? What was the question you actually asked me about the podcast that, oh, you're asking me what I was talking talking to him about. We got on the college degree thing. And then from there, Okay, let me let me go back to the college degree thing. A big part of his hiring process, let me go back to the hiring process thing, not necessarily the college yeah, degree thing, was uh, his values, his core values. So I think that's kind of how we s- snowballed into what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. But um, a big part of his hiring process is finding questions that 
people that bring out the character of a person and that shows him their core values because another one of the biggest things to him, I remember how we got there now, one of the biggest things to him aside from finding solutions to problems is basically his core values and his mission and his company and making sure that his employees are in line with that because he doesn't want any clashing there. He doesn't want anything. So everyone that gets hired at first form starts as a retail clerk at the counter at one of their locations, every yeah. single one. Yeah, of them. I think I remember this a little bit. And so every single top executive that works there right now started at the counter. Every, everybody he, he did. You know, uh, he also told me during the interview that he's worked every single position that there is in every single one of his companies. He's packed the boxes mm -hmm. in the warehouses. He's rung up customers. He's, you yeah, know, inventory, right? everything. And uh, a big part of that is company culture, which some people, you know, would say or could say is fluff and not really that important. But uh, But it also goes backwards into why he says a college degree is something they don't look at when they're hiring is because first of all, he knows he's sticking you at the counter in a retail store. Like no matter who you are, no matter what you do, that's where you're starting. So I think that's a big reason he doesn't really care for a college degree because a big, a big he reason. Already, he already knows exactly what you need to do the job. Yes. Yeah. And he knows that he can teach you that. And he's much more concerned with what he can't teach you, what you believe in, what your character is, whether or not you know how to handle customer service and all things of that nature. So he, he starts you at the counter and a big thing with college degrees is that it's basically the reason people go to college in a lot of situations, especially for business degrees is to, is to like kind of jumpstart their career with the company because they don't want to work the, the floor. They don't want to be like a janitor or something. Yeah. They want to, they want to get out of high school. They want to buffer for four years and then they want to be a manager like right away. And he was talking about, we were talking about, I'm actually the one that brought it up, how that can make your company's culture very sterile and it can keep your managers not totally out of touch, but pretty out of touch with what goes on below them. And right. it, it's much, it's, it's like raising your employees basically through that process. And, I, I think that's a really good way to run, especially like a brick and mortar company like he runs with his, because that's one thing that people have to remember. I'm actually more into service businesses myself and which is more of a Gary V line kind of, or Eric Rebello does a lot with service businesses. It's just not many people know him yet, but more of a service business, but yeah, this one's more tangible, more, you know, yeah, it's tangible. It is, it is a product business. It is tangible. That's a good word. Physical, like taking a bottle, putting it in a box, wrapping it up, shipping it, you know, all that kind of thing, which to him is what he would consider real entrepreneurship. And I don't particularly disagree, but I don't completely discount real service businesses either. And, and well, service, service, it's business. definitely the older form of entrepreneurship. I mean, yeah, I mean, it is, it was definitely more common back then because there's just a lot you can do with the internet. There's a lot of services you can provide yeah. because of the internet, but it's also, and the, I mean, that is a big thing. You know, he started this company 20 years ago and just now it's finally starting to be, you know, wildly successful. And he yeah. talks about that a lot too, for anybody that ever wants to start a business, do anything like that, how freaking long it took him to make more than like a thousand dollars in a month is surreal. Took him like, he's always saying in all of his podcasts now and the one that I did with him and everything that he made $695 a month for like 10 years. And just in case anybody younger is watching this or just flat out dumb is watching this, $695 a month is not a lot of money. No, it, it's it, really it's, not. You know, the, I think the average American salary would be a, right around a thousand dollars a week. He was making $695 a month. So that's, yeah. that's not a lot. And then he said, you know, it took him, it took him like 12 years to make a million dollars total in all of his companies. And I, I, obviously at a certain point, it started to just really snowball. And 
because yeah, once he once he hit sense. that once he got that million dollar mark, it was like boom, 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 boom. And he went right up. And also, an interesting thing about him, and I don't mean to just like gloat about him this whole time, but I think there's a lot to be learned from it. Well, I think it'd be gloating if it was you. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I don't mean to sound like too fangirly of him, but he's just he's just awesome. No, it's okay. But a big part too is that when he was trying to build supplement superstores was from about 2006 to 2010. And anybody that's an adult now probably knows that that was not a good time to be trying to start any business, especially in real estate because yeah. the market crashed. And yeah. he, he also told us straight up in the middle of in the middle of my interview for him, he said 2006 to 2010 was easily the hardest time of his life, but it had nothing to do with the economy. And I believe, I thought I heard in one of his podcasts too that his his company actually doubled in sales every year during the market crash. That's impressive. He yeah, you can, t- of, you can tell he's good if he could do that for multiple years on end during yeah. during a bad time. Yeah. So, yeah, so that's that's incredible. Like, you know, it, it, it's impressive when a company stays afloat, just like, yeah. like, uh, like breaking even during mm-hmm. those years. And it shows- but The fact that he's doubling is insane. It shows a lot about his his drive, his character, his entrepreneurial spirit, all of that, because things were going to hell during that time, like literally for anybody that was in business, again, especially in real estate and yes. home ownership and anything like that. He's not, but anyway, uh, not to mention that it was a bad time for anybody because it was a real estate issue and he was probably probably had nowhere to live during that time too, because that's another big thing, you know, he's, yeah, yeah. Well it, yeah, the, the real estate crash wouldn't just affect people who work in real estate. It would affect yeah. people who have yeah. houses like, like any, any way you can connect buildings yeah. to other things, which is quite a lot of ways it affects it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. And also just a fun side note, try, try to remember where we were, but a fun side note is that real estate has made more millionaires than any other field, any other industry. Uh, that I just know because there are real estate moguls everywhere. And real estate really is one of, or the quickest way to like rapidly grow your wealth. If you do it right, obviously, you know, and yeah, you got to know your stuff. Basically the game with real estate is that it's a lot of upfront cost, which is exactly, you know, high risk, high reward, no exceptions with real estate. You know, you're putting, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, but that means you're getting hundreds of thousands of dollars back out or you're yeah. getting nothing back out and then you're shorted hundreds of thousands of dollars. <laughs> so that's, that's why not everybody does it. Even when they say real estate has made more millionaires than anything else is because even if I wanted to get into real estate right now, I literally can't afford to because I don't have hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. Yeah. Buy a house you, and then fix yeah, it. You and have a decent amount going in. And there's crowdfunded real estate and all that. But Anyway, so real estate, and the reason real estate is so money-making is, is the reason it makes the most millionaires is because there's a ton of money in it, and that's because it absolutely applies to everybody. Everybody. Yeah. You know, every, well, obviously not everybody has a home, but- But we're in buildings. Yeah. Every single day, all of us. Yeah, and just, you know, owning land, I think, is like, one thing that will forever be something that can make you rich, owning property. And I mean, from way back in the days when, you know, the Native Americans and the Indians were like throwing spears at each other, whatever they did. I have no idea what they actually did, by the way. Don't take, don't take me at face value when I'm talking about history, <laughs> but like, you, you know what I mean? You know, land yeah, has know. always been an issue. Yes. Or not an issue. Well, it has been an issue, but like on people's minds, kind of a good one, you know, it, it, it wasn't just for no reason. You know, people weren't just like, oh, I want land. And then the other guy was like, why? And they're like, I don't know. I just want a reason to throw my spear at you. And <laughs> no, you want room to frolic. You want room to raise your family. You want, yeah. you know. Yeah. You want land. You want somewhere to live. And, you know, you want to kind of have some sort of peace of mind that nobody has the right to just come onto your land yeah, and nobody's gonna bother you for no reason. And so that was that was a big issue. And obviously, I know this may come as a shock to some people, but from the dawn of time, 
there have been people on this planet, maybe not from, I don't know what the dawn of time actually means. I don't know if that's like pre-people, but like. Probably like like morning beginning of time. Yeah. So since the dawn of human life, there have been people on the planet. And also since the dawn of human life, people have disagreed with each other and that will never go away unless everyone in the world dies. That is the only way disagreement is going to, between people, is going to go away. Yep. And by that time, there will be robots and drones and all this chaos, and those things will disagree with each other. So it's always happened. So you go to some country, you go to some piece of land, and group A gets there, group B gets there, and they don't want to live by each other, so someone's got to claim the land, and bang, bang, pow, and that's how history happens in a nutshell. I don't know why I'm still taking a history class. I'm pretty sure I just nailed it down. But you figured it out. You don't need to be there. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that's basically what my history class is too. It's just going in and listening and say, well, these people didn't like these people and these people didn't like these people and there was a bunch of land well, between all of them. It's funny because, you know, throughout pretty much all history up until this point, up until like really, really recently, like the past couple hundred years, it's not even that two groups came to an area, looked at each other, and then they're like, hey, we don't like you. We're going to fight you. If you saw someone from across the hill, like in your view, and they like somehow like didn't look like you a little bit, <laughs> you got your sword or like your like your gun or like whatever you had, and you just, you attacked like, like you just attacked right off the bat. Like that was your, that was your default setting. You didn't like meet the person first. Yeah, that too. Now as we meet the person, we're like, oh, we hate this person or we like this person. There are still people like that. Like that's the thing too. People are just batshit crazy sometimes. I see a person that doesn't look like me. Let's, let's kill. Like look what happened to that. I I never read this full story, but there was that kid that tried a couple months ago to go to that like island that you're not supposed to go to. Oh yeah. It's inhabited by like a bunch of crazy people that kill anyone that comes near it. And people know that. And he's like, oh, I'm going to go there anyway. And, and sure enough, the, to, to the our surprise, did kill him. Yeah. They probably ate him too. Oh my gosh, people need to stop being dumb and crazy. That'd be beautiful, but... It would be. But we're, all, we're all dumb and crazy. That's the, that's the definition of the human. Yeah, pretty much. So, uh, okay, we got off track. Real estate, Annie Frisella. Real estate, Annie Frisella. Yeah, so real estate makes a lot of millionaires. That's why it does so well. We were talking about the economy and all of that kind of thing, but I don't think I have anything more to say about it actually. So let's move on to something else. Uh, I'm trying to think about what else we really got into into that episode, but I can't really think of much because it was, it was really a lot of how he started his business, a lot of entrepreneurship, like minds, like stuff he talks about generally and people we did talk about information marketing another big thing i asked him to which i don't know if people are i don't want to talk too much about this on here because i want people to actually go and watch that interview yeah because yeah, yeah, okay yeah but um i did ask him what because he complains a lot about fake entrepreneurs meaning basically meaning information marketers except for a select few so i told him or i asked him who, what entrepreneur is going right now, he thinks he has weeded out to be the good ones. So he started spitting off entrepreneurs that he thinks are good at what they do and who he thinks people should be listening to because there's so much saturation and there's so much noise with the information marketing now that people are signing up for courses left and right that are going to make them millionaires. And these courses are just teaching you how to sell courses and are just teaching you how to sell courses so on and so forth down the line that's which is kind of a ponzi scheme if that's specifically what's going on usually that's not exactly what's going on i know like i know of one person on the internet right now selling a course on selling courses and he he has he selling courses is his thing so he has like facebook ads courses he has all these other, you know, how to get more clients, courses, things like that. And I'm perfectly yeah. fine with those. My, my stance on 
courses online is simply just research the person that's giving the course, see if they know anything about what they're talking about. Uh, don't take courses on how to sell courses. And don't be skeptical about every single course you see on the internet because there are good ones out there. I know people, I know Ty Lopez. I don't know if you know who Ty Lopez is. I do. And okay, so you know who Ty Lopez is. For anybody that might not know who he is, uh, you might know who he is and not know his name. I found out that's the case because he was the YouTube ad guy uh, yeah. quite a while ago. I never saw his ad on YouTube, by the way. Yeah, he, he like shot, he like did it with his iPhone. He's like, I, hey, I, I'm I, in my I, garage and, and like there's like, I don't know, yeah. a Lambo or like something yeah. in, in the background. Or He's and, like, look at all my books and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's huge on the books. I know that. And, well, I know him because I'm into Which entrepreneurship good. now. And he's everywhere and he's smart. Uh, but um, he just kind of, he, he got his start through me marketing, which is so much more powerful than people really think it is. And uh, he- Would yeah, you say so, meme marketing? Yeah. Well, well, look at look at flex tape, like flex tape and flex seal. Like Phil Swift is such a meme. He probably got a lot of money from, from how often his face and yeah. how often the product has been passed around. And if yeah. you look at the products on the, on like the, the flex, I don't know, the flex website or whatever, right. they have like meme oriented products yeah. <laughs> You're making a conscious decision to use it to their advantage, which is smart. Yeah. And people, people, I think also underestimate the power of meme marketing specifically because they don't understand how marketing works. There are a lot of people that don't understand that marketing makes no direct money basically because marketing is all about brand awareness. It's all about, uh, I mean, there's a whole it's analytical all, well, it's, of marketing. It's all but, about getting your, getting your face or getting your product yeah. in front of others. It's not yeah. necessarily, there's nothing direct about it. Yeah. It's, it's not the, it's not the money catch. Yeah. Because that's, that's one of my biggest pet peeves right now with my, with the business Instagram that I run is like, I will ever once in a while, like someone from high school will see me in Walmart or someone, you know, from down the road, will be like, oh, I see you have this, uh, I, see, I see you have this Instagram page now. Like how much do you make per post or something? I'm like, nothing. The, the, and that's not how it works. It's not that I'm bad at it. Well, I'm like very mediocre at it. No, it's, you're, you're investing in the long term and you're setting it up. That, but yeah, that's just not how marketing works. Yeah. You're carefully planning it out. The point of that is to build a brand, build awareness to myself, my knowledge, things like that. Yes. So that way, when I start a company, people will recognize my name. They'll feel some sort of attachment to it, and they'll go to that guy. Like, I can tell you right now, how many people in this world do you think know anything about the actual, like, infrastructure of VaynerMedia? But if they needed, if they started a big company, and 10 years down the road, they needed a media company to run their thing, the first name of their mind would be VaynerMedia. They'd be there if they'd be signed up for it because it's just got such a good reputation because Gary Vee has just got such a good reputation. It's the same thing Andy Frisella does with his podcast. His podcast isn't monetized. No ads on it, no listener support, no anything like that. But you, the awareness uses, is through the roof. Yeah, and that's exactly how I know about his. So I, I'm, I'm the perfect example to use for this. I found the MFCEO project quite a while ago. Um, I found it because... Someone on Instagram posted. Someone on Instagram posted a picture that said the top five podcasts for entrepreneurs or something like that. Um, I don't remember what they were. And the MFCEO project was not on the list. It almost never is. And you go to those posts, and all the comments will say, "You forgot the MFCEO project. The MFCEO project is not on here. Why is it Andy Frisella's podcast on here?" Like every single one of these comments. Uh -huh. And so. Naturally, what I did, instead of looking at, listening to this person that posted it, who said, oh, these are the five best podcasts, I was like, what is this MFCEO project that everybody's talking about in the comment section? So I went, I listened to it. I got absolutely hooked. Yeah. I got to talk to the man, which is just a whole nother tangent I could go on about how like actually doing stuff gets you somewhere. Clearly. And, yeah. <laughs> um, and how it's not about the analytics and running the numbers all the time, but it's just about having a dream. And my good, my good, good friend, Jeremiah, who I interviewed the week before it, and he talked about this on this podcast and uh, he runs a coaching company and he, he coaches me a lot. I'm not like one of his clients or anything. It's just, I provide my service to him. We have a good bond now. He 
gives me, he answers questions that I ask basically. Yeah. Things that he got me really rolling on. And this was on one of Andy Frisella's podcasts too, because he's been listening to him for like three years and gets a lot of the same stuff. It's this whole idea of Oh, so he's been in for a while. Yeah, vision boards. He, just a fun fact, shout out real quick to Jeremiah Sullivan. Uh, A super awesome dude. He's in the army. He's in special operations in the army. Uh, He's running his own business, his own coaching business, Conquer Academy, which is just awesome. He's an awesome coach. Uh, He wrote a book called The Whole Man Project, which was actually performed a lot better than he thought it would. And uh, (laughs) he's having like issues selling it on Amazon right now because of just like kind of weird army regulations that I don't know anything oh, about, but, yeah. but it, and sure. And then we'll get back to Amazon. But um, when it was on Amazon, it was actually right up there with like the top recommended books under like books by like Jocko Willink and David Goggins. And that's like, amazing. There's big, and he's up there with people like Jocko. Yeah. Those big military guys. And so anyway, like he's done a lot of good stuff. And I think one of the best things he's taught me and he said in his podcast and Andy has said in his podcast, it's just having this idea of figuring out what it is that you want and don't try to be realistic. Don't try to, don't release all your limitations. Like that's what you need to do. Just yeah. Very, very, very dreamlike. Even if it's not, even if it's, yeah, like, like you said, not really practical, no. not really realistic. Only, only realistic in the sense that it actually exists. Yeah. Like, like I want a unicorn. Yeah. Don't make your vision board. Like I want to have a pet dragon. Yeah. Someday. Yeah. Like, like buy a horse, <laughs> buy a horse, put a party hat on its forehead. But the point being, I just listened to the MFCEO project yesterday about this too, is that a lot of these people that are big on vision boards, which are like apps and stuff that you can get to have them, but it's basically a vision board or a goal board or whatever you want to call it. It's basically just this thing where you do that. You put things that you want in your life and you decide what you want your life to be like. And that Mm -hmm. just kind of immediately turns on a switch that gets you starting to warm up and start moving towards where you want to be. Yeah. It's like, I mean, it's kind of like turning on the water in a place that doesn't have super good water and it takes forever for it to warm up. It'll be kind of like that. You know, it's like having that vision board will turn you on. It might take you freaking forever to get there. What feels like forever, but. Yeah, uh, but simply surrounding yourself with all those um, ideas and concepts that matter to you, that fire you up, it it makes such a difference in the end. Yeah, and uh, I think psychologically what what that is mostly about is limitations. I know I've been talking about Jim Quick quite a bit lately. And if you didn't happen to see it on my Instagram or if you don't follow me on Instagram, first of all, do that at JRP Business. But uh, I posted a quote from Jim Quick. He said it earlier, early on in one of his podcasts. And what it was, was if you accept your limitations, you get to keep them. And when he said that, I was just like, whoa, like he's got a good point. Like all you have to do to get rid of your limitations is just stop accepting them. them. Yeah. And stop Shoot for the stars. Stop stop conforming to the world. You know, it, you know, it's Jeremiah said basically stop stop conforming yourself to the world, make the world conform to you. Right? It, you can yeah. choose one or the other, and one sounds a hell of a lot better than the other. And I forget what his thing is. He, he uses an acronym called WAR, which is, you know, I guess pretty good for a special ops guy in the army. But uh <laughs> The W in war was for wake up. I remember that much. The A was probably for action. I can't remember what the R was for. But like, it's just, it's just this huge thing about waking up, getting yourself a vision board, you know? And it's like, if you want to, if you want to have a $50 million yacht one day, put that on your vision board. If yeah. you want to, if you want to drive a Lamborghini, put, put it on the also, also a funny story that these just keep popping in my head all day tonight. That's okay. A funny story. Good stuff. <laughs> this will get to you more than it'll get to anybody else too, just because you understand where, where we grew up. I was listening to Andy Frisella's podcast yesterday on my way home from my house. I had to leave school yesterday, go home, drive my dad to the doctor, all that stuff. I was, I was on my way back to school. I was listening to Andy Frisella's podcast. He was, he was talking about the vision board and he was talking about how he's, he's a huge car guy. Uh, He has a Lamborghini. And he was talking about how back at a certain time he put a Lamborghini on his vision board and now he has a Lamborghini. And this is too fucking weird to make up. 
literally as soon as he said that, I was on I was on I eighty one. Don't beat me to the good part. I was on I eighty one in in northeastern Pennsylvania, and on the left side of me, a fucking Lamborghini just passes me right by. For for those of you who don't know what northeastern Pennsylvania looks like, you, I, I promise you, you are more likely to see a tractor on I eighty one than a than a Lamborghini. I promise. Or like a deer, like crossing the road or something. Yeah, in the middle of a highway too, not just yeah. like in the back, like dirt roads, like on the interstate. Yeah, like in Pennsylvania. Oh, That's nuts! Wow. It was I just oh. <laughs> It was from Connecticut, I'm pretty sure. So it's it, almost less likely than a unicorn. <laughs> I know it was crazy, and I saw them drive right over one of our Pennsylvania potholes. I was like, oh, like, I was uh, like cringing for it was them. So bad for the car at that point. Yeah. Like you feel bad for any Especially car, one of those you're like, no. low riders. But like, I just, and I, I don't know a lot about cars like at all. Uh, that's George's dad's field. But yeah, like, yeah, neither do I either. I, I got none of it from my father. Like, I know a luxury vehicle. Yeah, I, I, I think me and Justin both agree that. I didn't know it was a Lamborghini specifically at first because yeah. I don't know the difference between the luxury vehicles, but I knew it was a luxury vehicle. And it, it was I-81 traffic was starting and stopping and starting and stopping. So I yeah. passed him a few times. And then I, I got close enough and I was like, Andy Frisella's sitting here talking about owning Lamborghinis. If that's and, seriously a fucking Lamborghini. Looking out the window, looking like, out the window, you're like, there it is. Like there if it that, is, Andy. If, that, if that's not God's work, I don't know what is, right? Like that had yeah. to be some sort of like fate or <laughs> a something. A sign. But like, you're just like, yeah, put a Lamborghini on your vision board. And then all of a sudden I see a Lamborghini like two feet away from me and like the least likely place to see. You know, because... Just to throw things more into perspective, literally what it was for me yesterday was right there was a Lamborghini, right there was a tractor trailer, right there was a tractor trailer, right there was a tractor trailer, right behind me was a diesel truck. (laughs) (laughs) Lamborghini was just gliding through. There's like like Sesame Street, you know, one of these things doesn't belong here type of situation. It looked like you went into like a Transformers movie or something. We were like, "Oh, I wonder which one's the Transformer." Yeah, Gee. yeah. But I mean, like, I like the way you put it. I didn't even think about that yesterday. But we are not exaggerating when we say you are more likely to see a tractor on the highway where we live yeah. than a Lamborghini. I've seen, especially where we live specifically, because yeah. I was in Scranton at the time, so it wasn't. Mm-hmm as bad <laughs> that's like all that encompasses all types of well, once you get further further south of scranton stuff like that is a little more likely <laughs> seriously because it goes, it, it, goes between, it goes between city and country pretty like, quick in, in places like around here i've seen side by sides on the highway i've seen like literal big huge green tractors on the highway my dad used to drive me to baseball practice on a riding mower when I was a kid, from my <laughs> ass, like down the side, so, yeah, the baseball, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I mean, that's that's how things work around here. So yeah, cool. I I remember when my dad would um, what are those uh, construction vehicles called? Hold on, like a bobcat? <laughs> no, not like a bobcat. Bigger than that. Bigger than a bobcat? Did you own something that was bigger than a bobcat? Like a friggin' um, excavator? <laughs> it was like a backhoe, but it was a big backhoe. Um, oh, okay. And it was it was in the family, and you know my my dad might do like a like he, like heavy construction work near my grandmother's house once in a while. Oh, okay. And the backhoe would be there. But I remember I remember, you know, there's there's the cabin uh, where he sits, and you know there's kind of like the. Uh, what do you call it? Where the where the big wheel like goes into the cabin, like that the middle. No, you where lost the, me. Okay, you have the wheel, and then the big metal, uh, kind of thing where the wheel sits in, and you know that part on the bus where you could tell where the wheel is. Oh yeah, one of those, but for a backhoe, and I would sit there, <laughs> and we would ride down the road in the backhoe. <laughs> It was, it was just really cool. It was something I, yeah, it was something I won't forget I uh, about that part of this. Honestly, I shouldn't do this. This is going to drive people away from the episode, but just, just to kind of rub it in a little bit, I am so glad I grew up here and I just want to kind of take a second to 
to push back against all the people that went to Florida, like as soon as they graduated New York, as soon as they graduated LA. Yeah, but, I waited a year. <laughs> and, yeah. and you went strictly for school too. I'm sure you wouldn't have just gone to Florida. But um, like, I, I loved growing up here. I love having my, my hillbilly bone and having done all that stuff. I am. I do too. I, am def- I don't like show it a lot because I don't wear like flannels and boots, no, and boots yeah, all the yeah. time. But like, and if and if you look at us, you wouldn't expect us to be like, yeah, okay with like country music and country stuff like folk. that. Yeah, yeah, country folk. Yeah, but I am. I mean, I'm I'm hands down a country music fan. Uh, I don't really know what to describe your music taste as because you don't okay. really have a problem with much of anything. No, I really don't. And you know what? Funny thing is, uh, when I was younger, I listened to a lot of you know, you know, uh, classic '80s rock mm. and roll stuff like that. Um. Yeah, nowadays my interest is my interest in music is much more broad, and I used to not like country music much at all. But now that I've gotten older, I've come to really appreciate country music. Yeah, that happens to a lot of people. What happened to me? I used to hate country music just because it was such a cliche to hate country music. Yeah, you know, everybody just hates country music. Yeah, I think that was a part of it. I think that was just me, like not not thinking yeah. for myself. Yeah, pretty much. And um in like 5th or 6th grade, I went to my first concert. It was it was a country concert. And my dad really wanted to go Which to it. Which is more likely than any other concert around our area. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, it was Trace Atkins and Toby Keith. It was really good. Well, that's cool. And just from that point forward, it was like, yeah, country music is yeah, pretty freaking sweet. <laughs> and and my dad, you know, my dad's a DJ and he got to start doing that by by playing music and like in between innings at my little league games and stuff. And he would play, mm-hmm. I mean, he'd play, he's a good DJ and he always kind of had like an innate ability to do it because he's at least smart enough to play music that, that fits, well. that fits the theme. Not only that fits the theme, but like just very universal, very, there are certain songs out there that just nobody hates unless they're really trying to. Yeah. And, well, and, and especially when you're when you're at like a baseball game in northeastern exactly. Pennsylvania, you're gonna hear a lot of like classic like Americana yeah. music. A lot of those country. Like I hated. It. I went I went to my school's baseball game today, and they have like a kid down there set up with like two speakers and a laptop that like plays music between the innings. And yeah, I see so many of these guys. My dad works with all this stuff. Is that kids love to try to be DJs and just play what they like? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they play what they like. They don't. That. No, no, no. You're, yeah, you're, you're catering to an audience. Yeah, it drives me nuts. I was listening to like mumble rap in between innings of the baseball game yeah. today. That that dude at any other hour of the day can play his own stuff to yeah. himself. Yeah, and, and there's he can an, play it there, for his friends who also like that music. But when you're when you are asked and and yeah. oftentimes even paid to uh, yeah. perform somewhere. You play what you think the audience is going to like. Yeah. And if you don't know what the audience is going to like, there are a lot of songs out there that you can revert to that nobody in their right mind is going yeah. to have a problem with. Because there are songs I, I out there that very few people dislike. Yeah. Which I always say is rock. Really, classic rock. I don't think anybody hates classic rock. It's a very... Yeah, I can't very, think so either. Except so, for like really like... Really like... Trashy people. I was going to say like really, really, really like almost comically tight uh, religious people. Yeah, well, I don't even know if I hate it at that point either. It's just like I can't listen to it basically, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And uh, so it's Christian yeah, rock. So, but, yeah, so many classics came out of it. But like people hate country. People hate metal. People hate rap. Nobody really hates classic rock. And I have a, I have a Spotify yeah, playlist of my point. own that I use for when I'm in the car with other people because I listen to it acapella music i listen to yeah like home free voice play like all this nerdy shit yeah and and everybody like, hates like say i would get into the car you'd, you'd play you know your nerdy shit yeah. but you know, <laughs> yeah. anyone else yeah you have like a an everyone <laughs> playlist yeah. Uh, yeah it's just called universal and it's like living on a prayer by bon jovi sweet caroline uh i actually hate the song don't stop believing but it is one of those songs that People don't really oh, have much don't of a problem. Believing. I hate "Don't Stop Believing," but but you know, but you know me. I love "Don't Stop Believing" until someone around me likes <laughs> "Don't Stop Believing," and then I don't like it as much. Because <laughs> you know me, that's just how I am. I have like "Eye of the Tiger." I have 
there's there's also just all these songs that nobody likes but everybody's heard before you know what i mean yeah you're like listening to your song you're like oh i know this i have no idea what it is i have no idea who sings it but i know all the words i under i recognize this music that's a lot of like earth wind and fire songs like nobody's an earth wind and fire fan but everybody knows yeah everyone all their songs (laughs) you know everybody knows when the music comes on and the trumpets start blasting And, uh, oh gosh, it's not even Earth, Wind, and Fire. I might have just mixed some things up there. You know, like, Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley. I don't think anybody oh, likes that song, but, like... Yeah, but the song's such a meme. Yeah. <laughs> there, is, there is meme, meme, mar- meme yeah. marketing. There yeah. we go. You know, uh, 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 Take On Me by Aha. You know, that's a meme yeah. song and a half. Uh, anything All like, Star. Anything by Queen, everybody likes. Yeah. All Star. Queen's popular. All-Star Africa. Africa. Dude, I love Africa. Africa's like the best. Yep. But anyway, now we're talking about music. Yeah, okay. I don't know how we got there. (laughs) We talked about it. We we got here from what what things we like about where we grew up. Yes. Yes, I was talking about the Lamborghini story. Gotcha. Because I was listening. So back to vision boards. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Yeah, but yeah, I just had to tell that story about... Uh, that Lamborghini going yeah, by me. That's awesome. Highways. That's a really cool story. I was like, what the fuck? Because, I mean, that's your reaction. Seriously, I don't think we can emphasize enough how rare it is to see even a remotely nice car. No, seriously. We because, well, because the the winters, and my dad complains complains about this all the time because he's got to work on them, but the winters beat up our cars. Like, they're all rusty and everything. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard. It's so difficult to to keep a a car looking nice for very long where we live, unless you just don't take it out ever. Do you have anything else to ask me about what's been going on? We talked about Andy a lot, but uh, um, I was going to ask you based off of that. Uh, I noticed that your YouTube your YouTube views for that particular episode do seem higher than yeah. uh other episodes, of course. Have you gotten any? I hope so. Have you gotten any subscribers <laughs> off of that on YouTube or on your uh, other podcast platforms or anything like that? On YouTube, like three. Okay. New subscribers. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, you. I'm going to talk more about. Okay. Let me get this out of the way first. The podcast analytics are stupid hard to track because yeah. podcasts are not a one platform thing. You know, my podcast right. is on. Yeah. Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Breakbox, all that. So Anchor just came out with a new thing where I have like better analytics, but I have no idea how many people are subscribed to it. There's just basically no way to know that without paying paying for a third-party service to do it. And even then, I don't think... It's so weird that it just doesn't tell you. I don't think there like can be... There can't... I don't... It's just a thing where there can't really be like a pinpointed 100% accuracy. You know, even the analytics you can get are probably not that accurate. Is that with podcasts, uh, podcast platforms in general? Pretty much. That's so which strange. Is why, which is why so many podcasters will always tell you, like, leave I'm, a review or uh, well, that, like, but, like five stars. or. But, like, if someone asks, like, oh, like, how good is your podcast? They'll say, or if someone does want to know, they'll say, like, where are you ranked on iTunes? Yeah. Or something like that. Be the ranking. People would say, you could do downloads per month, but they won't say like how many subscribers do you have or I don't know how many listens do you get per episode or something like that because there's not a very good way to tell. But that's so strange just, because I click just, the subscribe button and that's it. Yeah. It's another number in the in the pool. Yeah, and, yeah it is weird. I, another thing other, is just that I don't... Platforms can can keep track of numbers like that. So it, it surprises me that podcast platforms... Yeah can't or just don't or I, I don't know it's just surprising well it's just because of how multi-platform it is because like instagram can tell you how many people are following you on instagram yeah they can't tell you how many people are following you on social media yeah that's kind of how podcasting works you know like there yeah, might know, be a way to find think, like you think you think uh which is weird because you can't you think apple podcast would tell you how many people on apple podcast you think anchor would tell you how many people on yeah. anchor and honestly i haven't looked that far into it maybe there is a way to tell Oh, another okay. thing I'm thinking is that I don't know if there's even a way to subscribe on every single podcasting platform because we're on those ones we've never heard of before, like 
Stitcher and Radio Public and Breakbox and yeah, that's Overcast true. and although some of them are paid. And uh, oh, so wow, it's just like I don't know. So podcast analytics, first of all, it's not something I'm very concerned with, and second of all, it's kind of hard to track down. Uh, like I said, Stitcher gives me analytics now. I can see like a rough estimate of plays, which goes by. Because another thing is too is like a download counts as a play, but someone could download every episode of my podcast and never listen to one of them, or vice versa. That's they could true. listen to half of it. They could listen to three minutes, and I don't know what counts as a view listen here and uh you know it's kind of like trying to keep analytics if you like wrote a book how many people have read my book well one person could have bought it shared yeah, it with you their friend, shared it with their friend yeah there's no way of know, knowing a person like could that. take your book to the jungle yeah, or you could read it you know your book you could be in a library it. and then six million people could read it without yeah buying and, it. And, yeah and you just wouldn't know <laughs> so like know. yeah you could have written like a dr seuss book that takes you five minutes to get through Mm-hmm. Some kid takes it, reads in the library. You have no idea they read it. Yeah. And if Rosella writes children's books, by the way. I don't know if a lot that's of people know cool. that or not, but uh, he never got into writing adult books. He has like a little play set that's uh, inspired by his dogs. That's for four kids. And I kind of want to check it out, but I kind of don't want to just be buying kids books. For not, that'd, but, be interesting uh, to, that'd be interesting to write a kid's book. It would be. It's, you know, it's a different approach like everything he does, but okay. Getting back. So it's, it's hard to, to kind of really, I don't know how many subscribers on my podcast right. is the end of the story. And, uh, you know, iTunes reviews, I can go by because one analytic I do get from anchor is like where my listeners are mostly coming from. And it's like 84% anchor or something like that. So hardly anyone that's listening to it is listening to it on iTunes or Apple podcasts. They're like technically different, but kind of the same. Yeah. It's confusing. But so that's, that's another big part of it because that's interesting. Cause I, I would think that Apple podcasts would be just the most, just the most um, used podcast platform. Oh, it definitely, it's gotta be. General. Yeah. Um, I think a big, that's what I use a big role, but I mean, that doesn't anchor being that much is that when you share an episode of a podcast, it takes them, Anchor will take you, it gives you an Anchor link. It'll take you to Anchor's website, but it takes you to a landing page. And I think most people just listen right there because you have that option. Mm-hmm. But if on that landing page, there will be like a button that says, listen now. If you're on your phone, it'll say, listen now on, and then your respective platform. So like if you're on an iPhone, it'll say on Apple Podcasts. If you're on, if you're on Android, it'll. If you're, yeah, uh, probably Google. I don't know. There's not really a default. Probably if you have it installed, because I had to install Google Podcasts. Yeah. But, um, things like that. Probably if like the only thing you have is Spotify, we'll say Spotify, whatever. But you can also just listen to it straight from Anchor. So there's that on YouTube. On the other hand, I did get three new subscribers since, uh, that podcast aired. I think, I think one of them was David. He definitely didn't watch it. I was just talking to him the other night and I was like, yo, are you subscribed to my YouTube channel? And he was like, nah. And then I was like, go subscribe to my YouTube channel. And yeah, then he asked like, when okay. I, he, he, he asked when uh, I was having my 19th subscriber special and I was like, gee, I don't know, Dave. And uh, but now I'm up to 21 subscribers. But uh, another kid that goes here, that goes to Marywood that's in a couple of my classes, uh, we found out we listened to a lot of the same podcasts. So, He's been listening to this one every day, and he finally found the YouTube channel and subscribed to it. Oh, that, that was nice of him. And I don't know who the third person is. YouTube also does a thing where, like, sometimes it'll notify you and say, like, this person subscribed to your channel. Yeah. But at other times, it just won't notify you. And I might just be dumb, but I haven't found a way to, like, look on YouTube at, like, a list of my subscribers to see who they are. No, so yet some... I don't know if there's a way to do that or not. I don't know if so, there is either. I don't... I. I can't imagine there is because, oh, yeah, because once, you, once you get to like a million. Right. But I mean, people do get to a million on Instagram, on Facebook, on Oh, Twitter, and you can on, look at it there too. Yeah. So, I mean, you think it'd be possible, but I yeah. think YouTube is just, and I kind of like this about YouTube is that it's less of a, it, it's less of a social media game. It's, and it makes it more genuine because, you know, people on Instagram are like, Hey, you like my post, I'll like yours. And yeah. it's just two people that don't give a shit about each other's content 
liking it and commenting it and trying to boost it and do all this bullshit when neither of them have good content. And because they're doing this with a million other people, the, the algorithm picks it up and starts showing it to everybody and nobody likes it. And they kind of, you know, there's just like a point you can hit, but there, there's a ceiling on it because at a certain point you're not going to keep growing if you don't have good content. So there's that. But on YouTube, you know, I've been tracking it and uh, it says I've got one subscriber specifically from the, the Andy Frisella episode. I don't know what counts as getting a subscriber specifically from the episode. I don't know if that means they clicked on subscribe while they were watching the video. I don't know if that means. That would make, uh, that would make sense. I don't know. Like the, uh, the end screen. I finally figured out how to start putting on the videos that like, you know, you get to the end of a YouTube video and like those yeah, little and things be pop the up. That's, and the square. Yeah. yeah. I finally figured out how to put those on there. So I put those on a couple and you can put a subscribe bubble on there. So maybe it means they clicked on that. I have no idea. So yeah. Let's answer your question. Like that's what I got out of that. Interesting. Uh, but when I when I graduate, I need to I need to overhaul everything. Overhaul. Yeah. What do you mean by that? Like, uh, formulate uh, types of content uh, that oh, I can yeah. bring people, whether it's uh, daily or weekly or whatever, on yeah. all the different platforms. You know, update stuff because my YouTube, it's just a personal YouTube right now. Yeah. But when I graduate, right. I like to get more stuff on there. Yeah, that'd be nice. Stuff that's actually interesting. I want to start seeing... To art people. I don't really know where we're going to end up over the summer, if we're going to do anything, if we're going to, like, set up shop anywhere, and even if it's in, like, one of our bedrooms or something. But yeah. I want to I kind of figure out the whole, like, live streaming thing on YouTube, too. And I don't oh, know if yeah. there's really a way to do that over, like, a video chat or something, but oh, YouTube's having issues on my computer right now, and I don't know why. But yeah, I think that wraps it up. I think Sounds we can leave good. that too. So we're gonna start we're gonna start popping up the little end screen bubbles here in a couple of seconds. So probably somewhere no, I, I, I did figure this out last week. If I point this way, it points to you in the video. Okay, so I'm pretty sure if that's I point wrong. Over there, it'll point to you. It should find out next week. <laughs> okay. So uh, uh, but so I believe over there is going to also be where the little subscribe bubble is. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. And over here will be two video suggestions. One will be the Andy Frisella podcast interview for you to listen to. And one will either be the Jeremiah Sullivan interview or it'll be best suited for you because you can choose that on YouTube where it just tracks everything you do and then picks what they think you would like the most. So it'll be one of those two. Or maybe it'll coincidentally be that the Jeremiah Sullivan one is the best suited for you. So neat. We'll cool. see. My name's Justin. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at jjustinrp. You can find my business Instagram at jrpbusiness. You can find my Twitter at jjustinrp. You can find my Facebook by going to Facebook and typing in justinrp. You can find my YouTube channel by... Well, you're already on my YouTube channel if you're watching this. <laughs> and, um, yeah, so I think that covers it. I'm on LinkedIn. My name is Justin Phillips. So, I mean, that's there's probably a lot of Justin Phillipses on LinkedIn, but go ahead and try to find me. I found, I, I had to get very curious about this. I don't know if Andy Frisella had a LinkedIn. I found one. I sent him a connection request. Uh, there's no, they don't have a verification system on LinkedIn like they do on Twitter and Instagram. With yeah, little so you can't, it's not like you've got a blue check mark or anything. So I was like, there's no way. And then today I got a notification, like three days later, it was like, Andy Frisella accepted your uh, connection request. And I was like, okay. And like immediately he messaged me and said, hey, thanks for being such a great fan. And I was like, like my skepticism meter started oh, like, yeah, like kind of like, progressively just like yeah. it wasn't very quick like i played around with this for a while but you know it started going like beep and like stopped and then i played along for a while i was like yeah man of course i mean your podcast is great yada yada, yada stuff like that and then they were like yeah like how long have you been a fan for and my skepticism was like and i was like you know quite a while and they're like how would you say i've affected you and i was like Ooh. Um, 
I, th I think you know how you affect people. You, you're, you're pretty good at knowing what your message is and what's going on. He was like, oh, yeah, man. He was like, hey, what if I told you you could sign up for this free service for cloud-based Bitcoin mining and binary trading and shit like that? I was just like, and the board was like, off the chart. I was like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, <laughs> what these people do to try to get you on the binary options? I need to get Bitcoin. What do they think they're accomplishing? Oh yeah, I'm Andy Frisella. <laughs> do you want to buy some Bitcoin? Buy some Bitcoin from me. Like that is the worst person to disguise yourself as. Like, what the fuck do they think people I don't even are going to say? Him and I know that's not him. Like seriously, that, like, <laughs> why would? Why do you disguise yourself as Andy Frisella? He has companies that make hundreds of millions of dollars a year. Why the hell would he be playing with Bitcoin? Yeah. Oh man, that's too funny. I mean, not not just Bitcoin. I mean, rich people can invest in Bitcoin. All that. I'm not trying to give an opinion on whether or not Bitcoin is good, bad, or ugly. Yeah. But they wouldn't be playing with a service to help you get into Bitcoin or teach you how blockchain mining works or any of that bullshit. They would just be saying, you know, they'd just be investing in Bitcoin, if anything. Yeah. So, that right. stuff. so Gerard, you're on the internet, too. Go ahead I and do am. your thing. I am Gerard Mirabelli. I am Gerard, you know, the artist. Uh, it's not a title or anything. I just threw that in there. Um, I am on ArtStation, which is pretty much the Facebook of art. Uh, check out my portfolio on ArtStation at www.artstation.com slash Gerard Mirabelli Art. I believe that is the same handle for finding me on Facebook where my actual uh, page name is The Art of Gerard Mirabelli. And I am on Instagram and the handle is GerardMirabelli.art. Yes, and those are your three. That encompasses everything. So guys, that's it. So that end screen should actually be popping up about now because I spent a lot more time doing that than I wanted to. But just so that I can make an honest man out of myself, we're going to end it right there. Thanks for listening to JRP Daily. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review so we can continue to come out with new episodes every day.